0: Welcome to the War Room, Ryan Ray here as always. Today's guest is Kurt Schlichter, but first, let's thank our sponsor. And our sponsor is none other than the Five Star Review. That's right. So we have on folks left, right, center, sports, non-sports, all kinds of things. We're trying to bring you a wide variety of podcasts and content. So we would really appreciate if you could drop a five star review in the iTunes platform or wherever you are listening. Okay, Kurt Schlichter is a senior columnist for townhall.com. He's an L.A. trial lawyer and a retired Army infantry colonel. He's also on Twitter, which we'll link to there, with over 350,000 followers. Kurt was personally recruited to write conservative commentary by Andrew uh, Breitbart. Uh, Breitbart, I can't speak today. Um, He's also got all kinds of books. We're talking today about his new book, which is... We'll be back, the rise and fall of America. Okay, and so I will link to all of this in the show notes at RyanRaySenior.com. And now, let's chat with Kurt. Kurt, it's great to have you on today. How are you doing, sir?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is nice and, uh, and hot here in the great state of Texas. So I, I wouldn't say it's great, but we could, we could use some rain over here, man. <laughs> it's crazy how hot it it's,
1: is. Uh, it will be. It's a little foggy here by the beach in Los Angeles, but it'll be sunny in 72. Oh, um, tough day at the office. Uh, yeah, if I went to the office.
0: <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Okay, so you got the new book coming out, which we mentioned in the introduction. We'll be back. Um, the Fall and Rise of America. So what what's the impetus for this book? Uh,
1: look, I I found myself, I'm kind of a history guy. Uh, I, I, I found myself in the last few years realizing that in 1991, in February, I happened to be at the time and place of America's greatest power. I was there physically, both on the day and the place. It's 7th Corps headquarters in northern Saudi Arabia in in the Gulf War. 7th Corps, there were three Corps. 7th Corps was the armored corps that did the, the bulk of the war taking out the Republican Guard. In late February, in 100 hours, the American forces annihilated an entire country's army. I mean, like 36th Division. Nothing like that has happened in military history. And of course, I'm I'm a retired colonel. I I went to the Army War College, you know, and I was there the day the entire world looked at America at the place where it happened and said, holy cow, this country is so far ahead of all of us. In, in in not only in culture, not only in prosperity, but in pure power, that we, we th- there's no competition. That was our pinnacle. That was our height. It's all been downhill since. We 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 squandered that lead, uh, uh, to some extent voluntarily uh, and consciously. And I look at what's happening, and I look at the problems. Yet I'm still hopeful. Because there are a lot of bad things that can happen. The book talks about national divorces, what a civil war might look like, the rise of China, how we might, uh, uh, you know, just sort of die out as we become a nation of lonely cat women, you know, dying alone in, in, in their apartments and being eaten by their tabbies. Um, these, are all, these are all possible ends for our story, because civilizations fall you know, the Romans fell, the Assyrians fell, everybody falls, we'll change. Maybe we won't fall the same way, but we're definitely going to change. And what will we change into? And will it be better? And I, I, I I still think that they're, that America, like you say, in those home improvement shows, America has good bones. You know, we've got a great constitution. We have incredible people. We have wonderful resources. and look at our enemies. I mean, look at these cultural losers who uh, uh, presume to rule over us. These pierced weirdos with blue hair and dumb tats shouting their abortions or tell, or demanding that we honor their ridiculous pronouns. Uh, I can't see losing to these goofs.
0: So it sounds like you're, you're arguing that on some level uh, the U.S. Pin, uh, hit its pinnacle in 91 – uh, there's been a decline since then, uh, and, and there's some threats, obviously internationally, but the primarily one, primarily one, primarily, I can't speak, primary one you touched on there, is a domestic one, and, and one that you think that um, should not be of concern.
1: Yeah, well, look, I, I, I think there are, uh, I think we should be very concerned about all these threats because they're all possible. Uh, I, you know, I, I served overseas in Kosovo. Uh, where the rule of law went away. Power-hungry people used racial hatred and uh, ethnic anger uh, for their own advantage and sparked a war where neighbors were literally killing neighbors. Village in, one village would go next to the village next door and destroy it. And not with artillery or bombs. They would do it with sledgehammers. I had my interpreter out there once. I'm looking at this place and it's like, I mean, it's, it's ruins I didn't see any flame marks, though, which I thought was a little weird. You know, if you're going to drop 155 millimeter shells on place, you're going to see some blast marks. I said, what, what, I mean, man, what happened here? He they, goes, they, they did it with their hands and with uh, uh, crowbars and, and sledgehammers. How much hate do you have to have for your neighbor to do that? But it exists. And I don't want that to happen here. But I see people leveraging the same kind of eth- ethnic hatred, same kind of ideological uh, nonsense that happened over there. And I, I, I think it's very important that we understand that that does put us at risk.
0: And to take the steps we need to prevent that from actually happening. What, when you talk about these steps, what steps can be done? Because when I look at the country, um, my, my thesis, I don't know if I've said this on this podcast, but Plenty of my friends know. Uh, in 2016, I thought uh, Trump was going to lose, um, like most people did. I think not, not a not, not an unpopular take of the time. I um, thought he was probably. Okay. Yeah, and when he, I love all uh, the
1: people who are like, I knew he was going to win. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah, right. Um, I thought he was going to lose, and when he lost, I thought, well, maybe the Republicans um, will reevaluate their position in the country and go, you know what? Uh, instead of keep appealing to this uh, federal government. We're going to localize things and either kind of—I uh, don't know if the is the right word—but just kind of uh, reduce their 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 dependency on the feds. Um, Trump actually winning seemed to embolden the Republicans to go back to uh, D.C. and and for me, that seems to be the biggest mistake that the Republicans made because ultimately, to to to, to unpeel all the layers of bureaucracy, I don't, I, I'm not sure that's quite actually that, that's, that's actually a feasible goal. So. How?
1: Well, it, it has to be the goal. Uh, and the book talks a lot about it. The, t- the book talks about how you take control of the federal government with the idea of eliminating power. Remember, for the Republicans, part of their problem is, hold on for a sec. Hey, can I have a little coffee? Yeah. Oh, you're great. Uh, part, part of the problem is human nature. If you If you're a senator in Washington, D.C., it goes against human nature to want to, oh, thank you so much, so necessary. Uh, Oh, it's my little Trump Trump cup. Uh, It goes against human nature to want to devolve power because then you're getting rid of your own power. Uh, Ironically, well, I don't know if it's ironic, but interestingly, the greatest American ever, arguably, and probably it's a good argument, George Washington is known for giving up power. He could have been a king, he could have been a dictator. He said, I'm not gonna do any of these things. And that's exceptional because it is the exception. Human nature, uh, when you work for power, you want to keep it. And so expecting people in DC to want to devolve power, you know, you're going against human nature. Doesn't mean it can't be done, doesn't mean you can't get people ideologically committed to doing it. And there are people more ideologically committed uh, in a conservative direction. We saw the dumb gun control bill uh, the other day to compromise Now, of course, I'm a lawyer. If I ever came to a client with a compromise where I said, hey, I got a great deal. We're just going to give them less of what they want and you get nothing. uh, You know, I would be driving a 1977 Datsun B210. Um, But uh, 15 Republicans voted for that. And that's bad. It would have been 30 or 35 10 years ago slowly we're getting people and it's not all true believers some of them we've just terrified into voting our way they know that they can't win unless they do what we say but they love to they'd love to be as soft and gooey as uh, Mitt Romney but they just they, they just know it's not practical i I would prefer supporters but i I am not hesitating to rule by fear over the Republican politicians uh, frankly I think uh, that they should be scared of their voters and I think that's a good thing uh, so we're making slow progress politically. A- at some point, we might have a, uh, uh, a-, a a critical mass that allows us to do what you're talking about, because I, I do think it's important to decentralize power and eliminate bureaucracies. The uh, EPA, West Virginia EPA case from the Supreme Court the other day was very important. And what it said is, hey, it has to be the congress that makes big decisions not these little agencies this little agency wanted to impose a cap and trade regime to to deal with global warming which is a giant hoax that's a major major change to our society and incidentally one that was turned down when our representatives voted on so the idea that an administrative agency can just sort of do it because it wants to and it's unaccountable that's that's crazy talk so that limits them. But you need a, a new president to go in uh, and uh, uh, understand how this dynamic works and actively go to eliminate their resources, defunding bad agencies. I mean, I don't think there's any excuse for the next Republican president, next Republican Congress to continue funding NPR, for instance. You know, let the let the Volvo drivers go pay for their own radio.
0: So- yeah, I, I hear that. And, and then I think, well, you know, during the, the Obama administration, the Republicans sent back, I don't remember how you built bills it was to repeal Obamacare. And then when Trump gets in, all of a sudden they don't really have the stomach to do such things. And so it, it, it seems Well, like they that-
1: could have, but John McCain refused to because he was a lying you know, jerk. Um, sure. but, but they, and they- that, that's another thing that gets me. I keep being told how these people are gentlemen and have honor and stuff. I think George Bush, has, as a gentleman, has honor. We defended his sorry butt for eight years when he was too much of a gentleman to do it himself. Obama comes in; he can't raise, he can't say a thing to help us. And then his fat brother loses by Donald, against Donald Trump. And uh, uh, you know, Bush is so offended now he comes out and attacks the same people who had his back. So I don't want to hear how he's a gentleman or any of these guys have any kind of class. They're garbage as far as I'm concerned. I don't want to hear a damn thing from them, except adios.
0: Well, you do touch on something there that, that was interesting during the Trump administration, which was I think Trump um, was interesting to kind of pull the curtain back on how everyone actually acts compared to how they want to be perceived yes. to react, and and even you know from the media to to various politicians, um, and you know McCain's whole thing when he gives the big thumbs down, and that was obviously just to, to God. But he's a liar.
1: There, right. There's no other way to put it. He was a, he gave his word to his voters, and then he lied, and that was okay.
0: But what would you and, say to him, someone who says that Trump's a liar too, how would you what would you say to that?
1: Uh, Trump may be a liar in his personal life. That doesn't really affect me. He's not a liar political in the sense that when he makes a commitment, he tried to keep it. Now, did he he promises made, promises kept was a huge part of the Trump magic. Mm-hmm. And he actually tried to do the things he said he was going to do, which is enough for me. Politicians are fungible, they are interchangeable. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, I, I you know, politicians, I don't, you know, we don't uh, owe loyalty to politicians. They owe loyalty to us. Uh, Trump did what I think is, you know, required of any politician. That is, here's what I'm going to do. And then he tries to do it. Now maybe he doesn't succeed. Uh, I'm not a child. I understand. I don't always get to win, but I do want him to try and I do want him to win when he can. And Trump did all that. Trump, said he was going to do these things and he tried to do them. And some of them he did. And uh, the results were pretty darn good. Uh, I think uh, he had some problems with the COVID response. But, you know, uh, I I certainly think he saved the country from Hillary Clinton. Uh, Man, my book, I could have read my book four years ago if Hillary Clinton had uh, become president because she is the kind of person with a combination of stupidity and arrogance that could have actually led to conflict.
0: Do you think Trump's running again?
1: Uh, I just got a note from Donald Trump
0: on one of my town
1: hall calls, The which was, I wrote on Monday, the case for Donald Trump. And I wrote on Thursday, the case against Donald Trump, because I'm a lawyer. I argue both <laughs> sides. Right. And people would ask me, well, which one do you think? Well, I, I want you guys to make up your own mind. Everybody's not. That's the problem with poor conservatives. Aaron keeps telling us what to think. Here's, here's what I think about the facts. You make your own decision. Um, uh, Anyway, he wrote on it, you're going to like what I do. You're going to be very happy. Which I, and I, I, I take that as, uh, yeah, I think he's probably going to run. Uh, will he beat uh, Ron DeSantis? Because I think Ron DeSantis has got to run. And I think he should. I think we should have our two big dogs uh, in the pit fighting it out to see who, who, you know, who deserves to win. Uh, we don't owe Trump a third chance, although I think he was ripped off. Uh, we don't know DeSantis anything. They they need to prove to us, and and also the uh, the primary process sharpens you because there are questions Don, uh, Donald Trump needs to be asked. Question one, which I would ask, Mr. President, your personnel record has been pretty crappy. If you Robert O'Brien, Rick Grinnell, Those were great choices. Then you got Rex Tillerson, you got Mattis, you got John Bolton. Not so great choices. Mm-hmm. How? What have you learned and how are you going to do things differently? Oh, and are Ivanka and uh, Jared going to be anywhere around? I want to know these things. What's he learned? And if he hasn't learned anything, that's a strike against him. If he says, you know, now I have a Rolodex of people who have worked in administration, who understand things. Uh, unlike when I came into office, I don't have to uh, uh, rely on a bunch of establishment stiffs, which he did when he came into office because he didn't know anybody because he wasn't from Washington. That's the problem with getting an outsider, he's an outsider. Uh, I, w- I, I despise Jeb Bush, but he would have had 4,000 names to fill the 4,000 plum assignments in about five minutes. Um, so you know that. I, I, I think we need a primary uh, where whoever gets nominated proves he or she – I hope it isn't Nikki Haley because she's terrible um, – uh, gets uh, – uh, wins – not even wins, earns the nomination.
0: Yeah, I, I would say I think the the issue um, with Trump running again, the questions that, that would have to be asked is some that you've you've touched on, but also – I think the the fundamental flaw in Trump was exposed during COVID, which is, you know, a lot of the wins that 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 um, if you would, that you want credit to him are things that he could do quite easily. A lot of the hard deals, yeah. like the China deal, he got he got crushed on that. And well, he put
1: in he put in some tariffs. He he was uh, slowly rebuilding the military to be able to take them on. Uh, I, I think he made process there progress there, but I don't think he did everything he did.
0: Well, I mean, if you just look at the numbers, the numbers on the, on the track, I mean, it was supposed to be one trade deal. He broke into multiple parts. It, it just wasn't a win. I mean, I don't think by even their own standards, it was a win. I think he tried to, I mean, I'm not a tariff guy, so that's never a win for me. Um, and so I think that the, when you watch COVID unfold, um, and, and I am a free market libertarian, like, you know, pr- pr- pretty going to be hard on that, on that side of the issue. Um, I think what you saw was, is that Trump, Really struggles when when the chips are down. He doesn't have the resolve to lead people through stuff like that. Did he? You know what did he believe about COVID? Um, when did he believe it? Did he? You know, and, and, and listen, the media was was terrible and is terrible. And, and I'm happy to throw them to the side, but but he wasn't great. And I think you saw. No, he wasn't
1: great in COVID. It, here's the thing, and I, I I think the nature of his problem is remember Trump is still an establishment guy in the sense that that's what he knows. He was part of the establishment until he got thrown out of it by not being completely, totally by, part of the establishment. But he, he, he will tell you, this general is very impressive. Look at all those medals. Uh, he will talk when he, when he, introdu- when he, when he introduces people, over, and he went to Harvard. That's a very impressive degree. Uh, Anthony Fauci, well, he's been doing this for 30 years very impressive and he listens to these people he doesn't have doubts about them one of the important things about covid one of the important things about the new republicans is we doubt the establishment he didn't doubt it the same way he he thought it was screwing up but at the end of the day he was still part of it though not in the kind of cruise ship conservative way yeah Uh, you got some like ron DeSantis, who is very smart on his own and he doesn't care He's like, no, I'm, I'm not listening to you about COVID. I'm keeping Florida open and Florida prosper. Uh, I'm not listening to you about education. I'm throwing the damn groomers out of schools. And he didn't listen to the establishment. I, I think that that is a, you know, has, has Donald Trump learned? You know, oh, kind of hard to learn when you're 78, <laughs> but we'll see. You know, I mean, he's got to be tested. Yeah, and um, you know, people who say, "Well, you know, he had yeah, the election stolen from it." Well, he he fumbled the election. He was in charge of it. Uh, the Republicans did not prepare the battlefield legally correctly, allowing a lot of ridiculous changes to election procedures that facilitated shenanigans. I know. I went to Nevada to lawyer uh, after the election and saw some of it. And when I got there, one of the big six metro areas, you would think there'd be a whole floor of lawyers there with logistical support and everything ready to fight that battle, and had been fighting for six months there was one lawyer he had a laptop and his dog brought his dog
0: right well and that's the other side is i think that i think that because the thing that trump tapped into um so when trump became clear he was the nominee you start to see how bad the i mean you know the media was bad under obama then you're like oh my gosh the media is really bad and then when he leaves with biden he's like oh my gosh even worse than i thought under trump like but he, he would get these wins. And so I think his ability to reconcile where his perceived threats and danger were on some of this stuff. Um, I think he kind of missed it because he thought, Hey, I can just, I can just turn this around pretty easy. And it, it just it doesn't work that way. I'm not sure some of this COVID stuff, since he's been out of office, I'm not sure whether or not um, that's going to resonate with his base or not, but I know. We I, understand-
1: I, I think you'll have a lot of problems. He, he talks about a lot of it is the establishment thinks that we're stupid. And it lies to us because it thinks we can't handle the truth. If somebody came out and said, hey, look, we have the vaccine, we don't know for sure if it's going to prevent transmission. We hope it does. Or even if it'll keep you from getting sick, we hope it does. We're pretty sure if you take the vaccine and you get sick, you're not going to die. It's going to help you fight it off. That is what the vaccine would do. And we think you guys should take it, but we're not going to go nuts about it because we can't prove it stops transmission to other people or it keeps you from getting it. So the alleged impetus for all the, you know, you're fired if you don't take this vaccine kind of goes out the door. They didn't do that. They didn't do that. They lied to us and then uh, uh, enforced the vaccine on us as an exercise of power because if it doesn't prevent transmission, which it doesn't. And if it doesn't prevent you getting sick, which it doesn't, there's no reason to say, throw 5,000 people out of the military because they haven't taken a vaccine, simply because, eh, they'll probably feel a little they'll, they'll probably get recover a little faster won't get quite as sick. It, it's all lies. It's all the raw exercise of power. People see that, and Donald Trump um, uh, you know, needs to acknowledge that. I think, to make up with his base, because the base booed the vaccine when right. he went out in front of them. Right. And, you know, in, in the fact look, there's nothing inherently wrong with the vaccine, a vaccine that keeps you from dying. Now, of course, there may be some side effects. They also refuse to talk about those, which is more dishonesty. You know, I was a commander in the military. If I stood in front of my guys and said, you know, tomorrow, the fight's going to be super easy. And, you know, then, then we go and we get mauled. And the next day I go, yeah, flight's going to be super easy. Pretty soon my guys aren't going to believe me. Right. But if I say, guys, it's going to be tough. I, I got to level with you. It's going to be tough. Let's plan this out. Let's think it through. Uh, but I, I'm, it's going to be tough. I'm going to be right there with you. Okay, that's how you get it through. But our, our leadership, alleged leadership, first of all, don't understand leadership. They didn't build these institutions. The guys running things today did not build them. You know, you had the World War II generation, right? They beat World, they beat Hitler, beat the Depression. Pretty impressive. The six the guys who came to power in the 60s, they put a man on the moon. They they changed civil rights. So we, we no longer had segregation. Pretty good achievements, right? What's our this generation have? Grinder? I mean, it's just not impressive. It's like they're cultural trust fund babies. Everyone remembers Henry Ford. It had some personal quirks, but you know, uh, a genius who re- created modern manufacture and put a car in everybody's garage. Huge effects. His sons built that Ford Corporation into a huge conglomerate, and then they, they brought us the Mustang. That's something to be proud of. Can you name anybody in the third generation of Ford? They're probably yeah. sitting in a beat-up Fusion outside a crack house. Okay. Cultural trust fund babies run our institutions. They didn't build them. They don't understand them. And they don't appreciate them.
0: I want to be respectful of your time. We're up against the clock here. So two things. One, um, where can people read your columns at? Uh, Where do you want to point them to? And then the book comes out on the 12th. This will be out before then. So where can people buy the book?
1: Go on Amazon, get We'll Be Back, Phone Rise of America. I talk about Civil War, National Divorce, China. But it's not batan Death March. There's funny stuff in it. It's entertaining. It's like, I think I, I, I'm trying to, I do it like I talk to a jury, normal people trying to convince them to my point of view, uh, with, with stories, examples, so there's some history. And if you like history, you're going to hear some of that. It's not painful. It's fun. I hate, good Lord. I hate the bowtie conservatives are like, as Beck may have said in contrast to Locke. Yeah, nobody, nobody wants that. Yeah, it's a fun book. We'll be back on Rise of America. Read my town hall columns every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday at town hall. And uh, follow me on Twitter at Kurt Schlichter. Just spelled just like it sounds.
0: Okay. We'll link to all of that in the show notes. Kurt, thank you for your time. i would love to get you on again in the future. Uh, sure. we, we, I think we there's a lot of meat on that bone to unpack. So thank you for this.
1: <laughs> Thanks a lot, man.